We have an opportunity to talk about something right now that looks at neighborhood amenities and the importance of them and the impact that they can have. And this goes back to the pandemic. If you lived in, say, a suburban neighborhood and you were classified as youth during the pandemic, how how did you fare when it came to mental health or when it came to stress levels. Joining us right now is someone who can certainly help us out with this. A.J. Ray is a Ph.D. candidate in geography at Western University. A.J., thanks so much for being back on the show. How are things? Doing well, Mike, and thank you for having me on again. This is fascinating stuff because we talk a lot about building because we certainly are expanding in London. We talk about things that are needed in neighborhoods and the way that neighborhoods should operate. And this takes a really interesting look. So fill us in in maybe a little more detail on what you decided to look at. So this study uh, was launched right at the start of the pandemic because our team really hypothesized that the pandemic was going to change how people's mental health, and particularly youth mental health, and stress levels were affected because With the pandemic, school was closed, everyone was sent home. You weren't really encouraged and actually often actively discouraged from leaving sort of your local neighborhood and trying to stay within the home environment for good reason. So really the only things you could do was go take a walk in a nearby park or maybe go get something from a drive-through or at a convenience store or grocery store. And at the end of the day, that was it beyond just sitting at home. You're right. We can all think back. You described that so well. It sounds strange to hear it, but yeah, no, that's what we did. A walk with somebody in your household was about as ambitious as we were asked to be. So when it came to different neighborhoods that people were living in, how do these neighborhoods break down by description? We classified neighbors into suburban areas and urban areas. And so London's about 50-50 in what we would consider to be an urban neighborhood and what we would consider to be a suburban neighborhood. And what we found is really from the perspective of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of evidence recently that going to take those walks with family member in a park were actually really helpful for most people's mental health. But what was most fascinating among the youth that we surveyed is that they reported no effect on that on their mental health or their stress levels of taking that walk in parks. And so what we found is even if someone, a youth, did have access to parks in their near area, they, had, they lived in an area in which there was plentiful access to parks, there was no real difference in regards to their mental health. But what was impactful was the number of fast food outlets and the number of convenience stores around their home. And what we think was going on there was uh, youth were actually maybe going to hang out with their friends or or briefly see their friends at a distance uh, while going to grab food, or it was a a form of food-based coping. So we know that's another thing with mental health is people often try to cope with it through uh, consuming food. And so we think those amenities actually provided a really good support for youth at that point in time. But on the park side, it kind of runs counter to a lot of the prevailing wisdom. And we think that predates the pandemic even in regards to how parks 
uh, affect youth health in particular. For a long time, parks have not been spaces in which youth feel welcome or feel like they would actually want to hang out in. So I think one of the biggest lessons that we've learned here is the pandemic really exposed that problem of that our parks really aren't designed for youth at the end of the day. And that's something that I think we need to work on um, as planners and designers is how do we incorporate youth perspectives into parks so that in case there is a future situation like this, or just generally as we're growing and going to be building a bunch of new public amenities, that those new parks are designed in a way that are actually attractive to youth. This is fascinating. This is really fascinating. We're talking with A.J. Ray who is a PhD candidate in geography at Western University. And he and the team that worked on this looked at neighborhoods during the pandemic and the impact that certain neighborhoods and the amenities in those neighborhoods had on mental health and stress levels in youth. Because you think, hey, the most peaceful place to go is a park. But if somebody who is young is going there and thinking, yeah, I don't get it. I have no. I don't care about the birds in the trees. I don't care about the nice path. I, I have no use for this. But fast food places, things like that, that help their mental health? Yeah, so we actually saw a, a significant reduction in stress levels, which we also attribute to sort of a lessening of sort of academic pressure. But we also saw that those who had a, more access to those types of spaces um, did report better mental health or not as significant of declines. Uh, as well as, um, you know, lower stress levels. And again, it it comes back to, like, what do you think about youth doing in those types of spaces? Well, it's really they just want to hang out. They just want to relax. They don't want to feel pressured to do things. And so really what we're thinking is that let's take the lessons of those more private spaces. So what is it about those spaces that are attractive to youth and bring that into the park space? The other thing I'll throw out there is, Besides Victoria Park, Mike, can you name a park in which you can walk across the street and get a coffee and then walk back into the park and sit down on a park bench and drink your coffee? And I don't think you can because we haven't designed our parks in a way that they interface with the surrounding neighborhood. They're often buried in the middle of the subdivision. They've got nothing but residential around them. So really the other idea is as we're building these new developments, can we instead of putting the district parks or the big massive marquee park that we put in a lot of these new developments in the middle of the neighborhood, not near anything that someone would actually want to go purchase or uh, participate in sort of civic life with. Can we not maybe locate that park near some of the retail and shopping and food um, so that people can kind of break down that barrier and be able to hang out in a park while having a meal? This is so cool. This makes such great sense, and I think we've all been thinking about it. No, Gibbons, no, Harris Park, nah, not necessarily. And you mentioned new builds, new subdivisions. So often, what comes with a new subdivision, because it's a requirement, green space. And what yes. is that green space for the first while? It's a bunch of grass, and that's it. And eventually they'll put up maybe a, a play structure or they'll put up, they always call them outdoor gyms where you've got some pull-up bars and, and things like that. But overall, you're, you're right. Imagine being able to go grab a coffee and then enjoy the nature. It only makes sense these days. Exactly. And I think that's really what the pandemic has also done is it's changed Canadians' perceptions of what a park could be. 
And I think there's a real need to actually meet that demand and meet people where they're looking for in regards to uh, their own park spaces. The other thing, Mike, that I wanted to highlight for you in particular, given I know your sports passion, is what we also found is there was a worrying decline in boys' mental health, particularly those boys in suburbs. And what we think was happening there is that all the recreational and sport programming that they typically would participate in at school or at the city was canceled at the start of the pandemic. And so they were not prepared to socialize in any other way. And so they were incredibly isolated. And I think we really need to reflect on how we can better equip those boys in particular and address any issues that may have come from that experience of being so isolated and lonely over the course of the pandemic back into some programming that uh, hopefully has, well, has restarted for the most part of the city, but will be re continuing to restart and new programming that's developed. Um, because really at the end of the day, uh, that sort of loneliness is, is also a long-term health issue that um, could really manifest itself in 20 to 30 years in a, a really poor way. Right. If we're looking for all of the results, if somebody's hearing this and thinking, I got to read this whole thing, where do we find it? I know it was published in the conversation. Yes. So it is linked uh, from the conversation and it's uh, available as a journal article at Cities and Health, but also uh, the Human Environments Analysis Lab. So the team that led this study out of Western University, if people just go to theheal.ca, you'll see a list of all our projects there, including this one, which is called Quarantining. Excellent. Quarantining. A.J. Ray joining us from Western University. A.J., as a final note, who needs this information? Is it city planners far and wide, or does this need to go into other hands as well? Well, certainly planners, I think, can take a lot from this. Landscape architects, uh, park programming folks, so people who are responsible at the city for designing programming. But the other thing, too, is I think there's schools that could learn a lot from this as well, of understanding how their local neighborhoods and some of the programming they offer and, and what youth experienced during the pandemic so that schools can provide uh, better resources moving forward. So I think broadly, there's a lot of different segments of society that could benefit from reading this. Um, and I think, you know, moving forward, I'm I'm really interested to see what we can do in some of these new developments in London. London's a fast-growing place, but we also need to consider how, when we build all this new housing, what are the amenities and what do they look like in those developments so that people have a productive and healthy life. Fascinating stuff. AJ, keep up the great work. Always great talking with you. Thanks so much, Mike, and uh, have a great evening. And go Team Canada. Well and go Team Canada off into the semifinals. That is A.J. Ray, Ph.D. candidate at Western University. So think about that. Think about that. All right, maybe we need to have a, a broader conversation about this at some point. If you want to chime in right now, you can. Favorite park in London. Favorite park in London and why? See, I'm partial. I, I love Victoria Park. I love some of the smaller parks. But I'm partial to Gibbons because I want a trail. I love trails. I want to be able to walk the trail. I want to be able to run the trail. That's what I want to do. So I'm partial to trails. But that's really not addressing some of the things that AJ is pointing out. The idea that as humans, especially the way that we either socialize or the things that we look to do, the things that we gain enjoyment from in relaxation, 
they're not just go out into the nature, especially if you're a young person. Go out into the net. What do you mean? Go play with a stick? What, I'm not you from when you were a kid? We aren't bored anymore. I want to be on my phone drinking uh, whatever it happens to be. Half-calf, frappa-half, chino. That's what I want to have. And we don't necessarily have that. That's a great point. What an amazing question. If you missed the question AJ was asking, other than Victoria Park, name a park in London where you can walk just a few steps, go and get a food item or a drink item and go back and continue to enjoy the nature. It's Victoria Park because it's downtown and things are built up around it. Where else are you going to do that? That's a great question, but it's something we need to incorporate. And I often wonder why there is so much zoning residential in cities where everything is just zoned residential. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need the commercial stuff. That'll be in a different place. This is the residential thing. Why can't we have little smatterings? Why can't we have more than just the kids who have the lemonade stand every summer? I think we need that in residential areas. We need to make those neighborhoods, right? This is fascinating stuff. I love this. 